Inspired by hip-hop and the faith culture, the sanctuary in my solitude, the thoughts, feelings, and life lessons of an imperfect Christian by Anthony Kisik is beautifulfeetentertainment.com's work in print. It is a book of poetry and it's available through iUniverse.com, Amazon.com, beautifulfeetentertainment.com, and the links are also available in our social media and podcast. So please consider The Sanctuary of My Solitude if you're looking for a next great read. Thank you so much. This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. My name is Anthony. And I'm Jessica. And this week we are continuing with our Summer of Superheroes with X2, which was the sequel to X, X-Men. X almost said X3. That doesn't even make sense. Nope. So this movie came out... In 2003. 2003. Sorry, I had to like cue you in. Anyway. I know. I'm the I'm the data girl here. I've got my lovely little <laughs> notepad that keeps track of all of the fun stuff that's going to be on our show. So he looks to me for, you know, the chapters and the books of the Bible that we're reading, or as in this case, the uh, date of this uh, film release. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to kind of do basically what we did last uh, week. Um, we're just going to give a brief synopsis of the movie and just kind of talk about a few different things. Um, first of all, did you notice the, did you see the connections between the first movie and this, and, and this one? Yeah. Um, early on they were talking about the incident on the island and that of course is referencing the end of the first movie that we watched where it's a big showdown at the Statue of Liberty. That, yeah. that sounds like one of your wrestling events. We'll get there. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you have small little things like Vogue having um, um, Wolverine's like dog tags, things mm-hmm. like that, because he had left him with her. Um, but anyway, let's talk about this movie. So it came out. You said two thousand three. Thumbs and, up. And yes. this is that's. I think it was like two. When did the first two thousand? So three years after the first one came out, right? Yes. Um. What are your thoughts on this movie? Because we know you love the X-Men. I really do. Okay, so like there are some parts of this movie that make me sad. Like the anti-mutant protests that we see uh, on the news coverage in the background at that bar. I was just like, oh man. And you know, um, that moment where Pyro is there and he is like, facing down everybody and it's just like oh well he's an angry mutant that's not what we want either yeah um let's see little moments that i enjoyed i'm always kind of looking for like product placement moments so i love the scene where there there's like baskin robbins and i think it's uh iceman is eating it yes bobby Bobby, the irony of someone who is always cold, they're just eating ice cream. I was just like, I love it. And then you had the Dr. Pepper scene. Yes. You had 
the car where they got in the car and drove out of the garage, which I think was in a commercial. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, that was what I was gonna ask you. Was okay? Would that have actually been a real car commercial at the time? I I'm gonna go ahead and say yes, but I can't like verify that. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that would be footage that they would use in a car commercial, just the way it was set up. Um. Any actors or actresses that you were like, oh, they're in this movie. So, Alan Cummings? Is yeah, that his name? Cumming. Cumming? Or Cummings. I don't know. We know who he is. See, I know him from PBS from being the host of Masterpiece Mystery from for a series for like a, a moment in time. He would come out, he'd introduce the show for the night, and then it would roll to... Here's the masterpiece mystery that you're going to be watching this evening. So when Anthony was like, oh yeah, you know he's Nightcrawler, right? And I was like, what? No. Like, this cannot be the same person. It just, I that was not fitting with my mental picture of my masterpiece mystery and, host. And, and, and did that pull you away from his character? No, I feel like it really didn't. Although I'm glad that you told me at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Well... So, um, I only know Alan Cumming, like, from this movie. Like, I know he's done a multitude of things, because I've seen him in other things, but when I hear his name, I think Nightcrawler from X2. So, anyone else who knows, you know, this actor, like, sorry, I don't know him from anything else. Some of the other little fun moments that I enjoyed were the cat. The little cat, Adam. So when they're at Bobby Drake's house. Yes! And this cat just keeps showing up in different scenes. Um, yeah. Like, Wolverine is there, claws out, cat's not scared, just is like, hello. And then my favorite part is when Bobby freezes the tea in the teacup and the mom, like, turns the mug over and the cat immediately does what... licking the tea does what any cat would do when presented with an icy treat on a dish. They just start going to town on it. And I well, was like, this cat. Fun fact that I found from um, uh, IMDB, because that's where I do most of my research, um, the part where the cat was licking the claw, on the end of it, there's, there's tea on there too. That's how they got the cat to do that. Oh, so cute. So this cat likes tea. Maybe it's British. Maybe. I don't know. Um, My next thought was, well, it was a ginger, but uh, we're going to segue away from that. It wasn't, Really? I thought it was. Anyway, Pretty sure on. it was great. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I didn't pay attention to the cat. So, Alan Cumming was in this movie. Uh, everyone else kind of same as before, right? Like, you had uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. You had, um, you had Halle Berry as Storm. You had, who played Scott? What's his James, name? James Marsden. Marsden. Okay, I, I know. Like, I know his name's James. I always mess up his last name because I keep wanting to say James Monsters, who's from uh, um, Buffy. So it's not the same guy. Nope. Um. So anyway, let's kind of let's quickly hit some like um, plot points to this movie before we kind of go into our favorite part. Part. Well, we know that. Timeline-wise, this movie is fairly recently after the events of the previous film. Like, there's not a lot of gap in the storyline here. No. 
And I feel like that plays an important role because again, it's trying to build on that tension from the previous film and expand upon it a little more. Um, whereas like previously, it was sort of like the mutants had to go to the fight and now uh, with the invasion of the school, it was like the fight got brought to them. Yes. So a little bit of not really home court advantage though. No, they actually, um, the army that Stryker has took over most of the kids. Like, they won that battle. Wolverine and a few just happened to escape. For me, like, that was a plot point that I was like, really? You have all these, like, I don't want to say extraterrestrial children but like mutants mutants. they have powers (laughs) aliens this is x-files meets (laughs) yeah go ahead so these children with significant abilities and powers are not able to take down these guards whereas like we've seen in other farther reaching x-men movies you have again a handful of kids they can take on like oh here's a lot of guards well i think i think the logic here because you notice most of the kids that got napped um uh were were not even teenagers they were Mm -hmm. like very young so i'm guessing they just don't know how to use their powers well and i think one of the plot points that came up in the first film Jean Grey was mentioning that most mutants don't even know what their powers are going to be until puberty. So, yeah, so perhaps they hadn't been like activated yet. Yeah, like almost like Professor X could see, yes, you're going to be a mutant. I could see, because uh, he does have that mental connection to all the mutants. So, uh, using Cerebral, maybe he could see that they are going to be mutants, and therefore he brings them to the school and helps them to develop whatever whatever their uh, mutant ability is as they grow. And that, I think that uh, that goes to the other point that I had. Uh, when you and I ta- were talking earlier, uh, oh, Nightcrawler was like, oh, so you and Jean, meaning Storm and Jean, you're school teachers. Like, again, for, for Nightcrawler, the fact that these children are being, like, taught and nurtured and all this stuff was probably more of a foreign concept for him and that can help us segue into Nightcrawler because you so, love him yeah Nightcrawler is my favorite character um at least through the movies like I had I haven't read enough comic books to be like yes he's my favorite within the comics but um every movie I watch him in like he's always my favorite character um and even in this movie, you get the sense that he he lived most of his life in the circus, so he never really he had to like self teach himself how wow self teach himself self teach how to use his powers. Um, whereas in this school, they protect them, they teach them to use their powers. Now here's my question though: Storm and Nightcrawler have a conversation where they, they're like, why? You know, why do they go to this school? And he, Storm basically says, you know, we protect them. You know, and I understand that because you want to protect these kids as they're learning to use their abilities. Um, my question is, that that mansion got, got invaded pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. 
Where's the protection? Who's there to protect this place? Like, you think there'd be better security. Well, and see, so my theory about that was because Charles and Eric had worked together in previous timelines that Magneto would have been familiar with the structure of the school and where its defenses would have been. So perhaps because he could control metal, he could just be like, "Dudding, we're going to lift that. But he wasn't the one that invaded the house. It was Stryker. Stryker was. Now, could he have told Stryker? Probably. Because that's how he got the information about Cerebral anyway. So, maybe. Um, but for future reference, maybe they should have adults whose job specifically is to protect the house. Not to be professors, but you're strictly here to be army. Security you know. forces. Yeah. X-Men security force. Well, because I I think they want the children to kind of grow up as they would if they were at any traditional boarding school, not like, hey, this is more like a prison. Well, and, and, and so the way my mind pictures that is like, the kids don't know who the security guards are. It's not like they're wearing outfits. But like, someone like Colossus and, 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 um... Wolverine, like these dudes can strictly just be like, look, we're going to position your bedrooms, you know, your dwelling around around the place. So if you notice anything, you'll be first defense. Well, and my kind of question sort of regarding the security was, do they have evacuation drills? Because these kids just like popped out of their rooms and knew where to go to get out of the building. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> like, they do. I'm sure they do. No um, one seemed panic or, I mean, they were panicked, but like, they headed in a direction. They knew where the doors were. Like, they could get out. So I'm like, that would have been quite a fire drill. Yeah. They knew all the underground tunnels, everything. Just a handful of them got captured. Those are probably the youngest ones, too. Um, but moving on. So we've already kind of... Because we could talk about loopholes all day. Um, but overall, like, we both really enjoyed this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we did have to watch it in parts just because we have life happening, but, um, yeah, we, I really enjoyed this movie. I don't know if I like it better than the first one, but it's pretty close. Like, they're, they're right next to each other. Well, and I think you and I both really enjoyed, uh, again, we were talking about Patrick Stewart as the casting choice for Xavier because he has this mixture of authority and acerbic wit. He will always be Professor X to me. Apologies to James McAvoy. James McAvoy does a great job, and when we get to his movies, like, I'll give him all the credit in the world. He had big shoes to fill. But, Patrick Stewart is Professor X. So, we've talked about character, like, who was your favorite character in this movie? Not overall, but like, in this movie. It could still be the same as last time. <laughs> okay, so like the smart alecky part of me wanted to say the cat because normally if there's going to be a movie with any kind of cute cuddly animal, I'll be like that was my favorite character. Especially the cute cuddly <laughs> animal in our background who's playing with the drawers. Oh, get her. <laughs> Sorry, our cat has a habit of like, let me play with all the cabinets while they're recording. It's fun. Um, so yes, that's what's going on. Okay, so going back to your favorite character of this particular movie. Well, you know I love Jean Grey. She is my favorite. I love her relationship with Scott. Yeah. Now, but you know, I also feel like I liked 
Rogue's character as well. Really? Yeah, I mean, here's a teenager who is desperate to form, like, connections with people, but she's unable to touch them. And I feel like, honestly, in a weird sort of a way, the pandemic made us feel, everyone feel like, hey, we're all a little bit like Rogue. We had these intimate connections, not, like, of an intimate, intimate nature, but, like, even just wanting to, quote-unquote, reach out and touch someone, like, she's unable to do that without wearing gloves, and I'm just like, wow, like, I can't imagine how that would be, like, if I were wearing her shoes. Yeah, that wouldn't be easy. Um, it would be extremely difficult. Um, but yeah, so... So yeah, like Rogue actually is another one of my favorite characters in this franchise, probably because of Anna Paquin's like portrayal of her. She looks, she it's great, it's fantastic. Um, now let's talk about how this connects, not only to our, the world around us but our faith. How what what connections did you see between this movie and our society or our faith? Well, and again, we've mentioned this with the first film, that um, the X-Men has resonated with people in communities that feel marginalized. And again, I feel like this movie had those subtle moments where that point was just driven home. Yeah. I, I definitely uh, like it. I definitely like the concept of like... Most notably, this scene with... Bobby's parents in the living room where his yeah. mother asked him flat out, well, have you tried not being a mutant? Like, yeah. that echoes conversations that, again, I feel like members of the LGBTQ plus community have had with their family members. Well, and you, you connected it to another group of people, too, like that scene. So there was a there was a slightly, I think it was a slightly different scene for what you're thinking of. Um, but they were talking about how, like, oh, well, is there a cure for mutants? And it was like, well, mut mutants, it's not something to be cured. So yeah. that brought me to the autistic community because if you substitute that word mutant for autistic, the sentence could read, oh, is there a cure for autism? Autism isn't something to be cured. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like th this, this group of people, like these mutants in these movies and these comics are such a connection or a metaphor to so many different groups of people um it really like you said allows it to be relatable for all people if you really take the time to talk about it to look into it i think everybody could relate to these stories but this is kind of what we have a habit of doing i feel like for us film is not just hey we're gonna sit and watch this movie but like a part of what is fun for us is sort of sitting back and peeling behind the curtain peeking at that wizard of oz like seeing these deeper meanings and messages within the films that we're going to be watching and reviewing for you yeah which which is how you know beautiful feet uh podcast really became just a random podcast to a movie and music kind of a view podcast because not not that that's all we talk about but that's a big chunk because of how um how many connections there are, you know what I mean, to 
the art that we listen to or, or take in and the life that we live. So here's kind of a weird thought that just popped into my head regarding Faith and the X-Men. Let's do it. When Charles is connected to Cerebro and he knows where all the mutants are, doesn't that sort of echo or call to mind a little bit the omnipresence that is attributed to God being everywhere that we are as people? Interesting. That's it. I've never thought of that. I, like, really, I, really I wish like that. that we had a video of your reaction because like his face changed. He was taken aback for a moment. Like, wow, my wife came up with something truly insightful that she had not shared with me before the show because she yeah. just now thought of it on the air. Dun, 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 dun. No, that's really cool because... Um, it, like, okay, so I love that connection, but I also love the connection that like... When Xavier speaks to these kids, we've seen him speak to multiple kids at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not once do you ever see him like um, criticize somebody, right? He's always very caring. He's always very like, let me empathize with what you're going through and connect with you, right? And honestly, I feel like one, that's the connection that I've always had to Jesus. Whenever I'm going through some stuff, I've always found scriptures and stories that connect to like, oh, Jesus has gone through this too, or Mm -hmm. something similar. Um, But I think that's how we as people in the church are supposed to be to people outside of the church. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Um, I know that I've had numerous people over the years that I've known either through my work environment or school or just various friends who have kind of come up to me after knowing me for a while and they're like so like I noticed like there's something different about you like can you elaborate on that whether it's why you're just like hey I'm the hmm, words I'm always the person to be like hey so-and-so hope you have a great day like I'm the encourager in the office yeah um in my friendship groups, like, I'm the person that people come to to be like, I just I just want to tell you my story because I know that you'll listen. Um, and again, like, church attendance is important to me. So people will ask me, like, hey, what's different about you? And I could say it's because I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know, like, if... The mutants, though, would be like, hey, what's different about you? It's because I go to Xavier's school. Like, I don't feel like that's the no. identity of the X-Men. No, but what, what I have noticed, especially with, you know, um, I'm going to go with, like, Storm and Jean the most. Um, whenever people ask them, like, how come, you know, you're trying to work with humans and not, what you know what I mean? Like, they're able to give this answer of, like, look, we're supposed to be together. Mm-hmm. Like, we're supposed to be working with humans, not, you know, dominating over them. So it's not the same conversation, but it's definitely a conversation of, like, you do act differently than other mutants. Because other mutants are angry and mean and frustrated. Well, and we see that in Mystique. She's a classic example of a mutant that just feels like, okay, maybe I've tried to be good and nice to humans, but now I'm not going to, you know have that care and compassion anymore because I'm hurt. Exactly. Like, um, there's, there's a scene where um, 
Mystique is speaking with Nightcrawler and Nightcrawler's like, hey, why don't you hide your identity all the time? Because again, she can shapeshift and turn herself to look like anyone she wants. And she's like, well, I shouldn't have to. Um, now, that, there's a lot of truth in that, but if you listen to her voice, it's very angry, it's very bitter, and it's very like, well, I, it's just, it's very bitter, is the best word I can think to describe that. So, um, Well, because yeah. Mystique is sort of the henchwoman for Magneto, like she yeah. does his bidding, and he also, again, with his personal backstory has rather a bit of a beef with humans, to put it politely. I mean, he has a beef with humans that goes beyond being a mutant. He's like, look, yes. I've, seen mu- I've seen humans kill humans because they thought they were lesser. Because mm-hmm. you have to remember, he you know, came from the Holocaust time. Like, that's, that's when he was a child. He saw his parents, and you know, we talked about this mm-hmm. last episode, he saw his parents just brutally... Uh, treated, uh, um, and that was human against human. That's not human against mutant. Now he's seeing that uh, uh, that war as well. So he's got a lot going on in his head. Well, and war is one of the things that, again, you see Charles and Eric, or Xavier and Magneto, to use their aliases. Yeah. They kind of go back and forth about like, hey, a war is coming, a war is on its way, you should prepare yourself. Like, it isn't just like, okay, some way, way distant day this will happen. It's like, it's on our doorstep. It's, it's right now. We need, yeah, we need to face this immediately. And again, taking this to faith, I think there's a lot going on in our culture that we need to learn to face now and not just be like, oh, one day we'll face this. Well, and again, that's just one of the things that we've been learning about this season uh, at our church is the fact that opposition is going to be brought to Christianity and um, standing up for our faith may not be as easy as it was previously. I'm not really sure like how to encapsulate this thought. Yeah, that's okay. Um, what, is there anything else that we wanted to share before I kind of jump into the IMDB page and talk about some some things. Do we want to royally spoil the ending? If you haven't seen this movie by now, I'm a little shocked. So yeah, let's let's completely just throw the ending out there. So the very end of the film, Jean Grey is there. She kind of locks everyone in the jet. She's being like, I'm going to hold off this water so you can get off the ground. Scott is devastated he thinks that's the end of gene the very very last scene the last clip that we're treated to and i do say it's a treat for me is you see the rippling water on the still lake where they were and then kind of coming through those ripples you see the silhouette of the phoenix which gives us a little taste of the dark phoenix saga and he was like you can't miss the ending to this because i was on instagram on my phone yeah um so yes little nod to gene little nod to phoenix love it well and, and what was great was um and i remember seeing this movie in theaters so what was so great about it was there was a conversation at school of like, because some people knew the comics better than others, obviously, and so mm-hmm. they were like, "Did we see something in the water? Was something really going on?" 
because it, it's not it's not a perfect picture of a no, phoenix, right? It's very so, subtle. So you and I was one of those people who missed it the first time. It wasn't until I watched it again that I was like, oh, I see what they're talking about. Could this lead to a sequel? Of course it does. Of course it leads to a sequel. Um, and that's what we're going to be looking at next week with the 2006 film X-Men The Last Stand. Yes, X3 The Last, Last Stand. Uh, that's gonna, that's that's a fun movie. It's not my favorite. Um, but again, I haven't seen it in a long time. So, um, but yeah. Let's jump into your IMDb and then that'll probably be it for this portion of the episode. Okay, so... Let's not embarrass uh, Hugh Jackman again, but he did have a very interesting moment in uh, in uh, one of his scenes, um, but I'll, I'll get to that later. Okay, so the part where um, they're in the jet and the roof gets ripped off and uh, and Vogue flies out, flies out uh-huh. performed by Anna Paquin, not a stunt double. Big props to her. That was pretty awesome. Um... Uh, Nightcrawler's makeup, at least with the, the scene where uh, he's with uh, Storm and Jean Grey in the church, and they mm-hmm. see like his whole chest. Yeah. Ten hours. No. That's just <laughs> from the chest up. Could you imagine like doing the whole body? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they actually in the first movie, uh, Rebecca Romijn Stamos, who played Mystique, her makeup took I think would I think it was like nine hours or something like that. This time they broke it down to I think it's a where was it I think it was seven so not as not as long. Um, Alan Cumming does not he left the franchise after this movie because the crew believed it wasn't worth going through the long preparation to do his makeup. This also included the fact that he did not like getting the makeup done, um, and so they wrote it in like the video game saying that Nightcrawler leaves because he doesn't like the violence. Of the lifestyle that they have. Well, I feel like um, that makes sense given Nightcrawler's Catholic upbringing and belief system. Yes. So I like the fact that they were able to kind of create a reasoning for that. Um, Kelly uh, Wu, who played uh, Lady Deathstrike, which was the the one that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has one line of dialogue. Uh, she just had some really expressive. Like facial, facial features. features, and she's got she she definitely had some uh, contacts and she has some bright blue eyes. Um, I talked about the ten hours of makeup. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff on here, so I'm not gonna go through everything. Um, and I'm sure that we, on the DVD, there's a bunch of special features on this movie. So mm. all in all, I I enjoyed this movie. Um, I don't know if I if if it takes the top spot of these movies though. We'll no, have to wait no, and see. I don't think so. But of the two that we've watched, it's pretty close. See, from the first film, I think I appreciated like the scenes at the Smithsonian, like these other kind of things a little bit more. This was much more okay. We're gonna contain it really within. Here's the school. Here's the uh, like facility, the and then here's Bobby's parents' house. Yeah, it was very. It wasn't as many. Um, sets to work up. So, with that being said, I feel like I might have to prefer the first film we watched over the second, but that's okay. Uh, is there anything else we want to add before we jump to commercial break? 
No, I would definitely watch this movie. You should definitely go watch it. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump to commercials. And so. we will be right back with uh, Revelation Chapter 7. Sorry, my brain <laughs> For just... For once, she forgot. I know. We'll be right back with the Beautiful <laughs> Feet Podcast. This episode of the Beautiful Feet Podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary of My Solitude, a published book of poetry by me, Anthony Giesick. You can pick up your copy at beautifulfeetentertainment.com, at iUniverse.com, and Amazon.com. Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This is the portion of the podcast where we're going to go ahead and jump into the Bible, jump into Scripture. So uh, we do... We do ask that when you read the scripture, you read the whole thing. I would also recommend finding um, some commentary or doing just a little bit of background research because we're getting ready to go into Revelation chapter 7. This is the point of the book where it really starts to get, um, it really starts to get complex. I think this is that point or we're getting to that point where it really starts to get complex. So Revelation chapter 7 really builds off of Revelation chapter 6. So um, it really continues right after, right? So Revelation chapter 6, just to kind of give you an overview, we saw uh, the lamb or, or the lion um, opening the six seals, the first six seals. Now remember, these seals actually show themselves um, as different famines and different things that are going to hit um, the world and the people around it. So, um, and it really just, you know, you, you, you've got the white horse, which represents um, our sinful nature as humans. You've got the red horse, which symbolizes um, warfare and bloodshed. You've got the black horse, which is famine and pestilence, which is, again, just everything's gone on the land. Um, you've got the pale horse, which is death and the grave, or Sadie's, Hades or hell is another way to put that. Um, and then it kind of goes into the sixth seal being natural disasters, things like earthquakes, blackening of the sun, the blood red moon, uh, stars falling to earth. Um, and what you also see in chapter six is you see believers really kind of rejoicing over this because they understand that this is the um, return of Jesus. This is the return of that judgment of righteousness. Um, but you see non-believers really running away, hiding. Um, and, and that's really where chapter 7 continues. So it says the verse 1 of chapter 7. And again, we're not going to go verse by verse, but so I do recommend read the chapter um, so you can see the whole picture but verse 1 says, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea against any tree. Now that sounds confusing. So um, basically what you see is after, cha after chapter 6, the six seals are showing that earth is, is under attack. They're fully under judgment from God. So uh, non-believers, they're going to be terrified. They're going to be freaked out. Um, and they're going to try to hide from God. They're going to try to hide from God's wrath. 
Now, what we just read in verse 1, it talks about the four angels holding back these winds. Another word for these winds, based on my research, was that these are the judgments that they were talking about in chapter 6. So God is actually holding back these judgments because what he wants is God wants to give us continual opportunity um, for forgiveness. He wants to give us continual opportunity to say, let's look at this circumstance. I don't, you know, I don't like this circumstance. I'm seeing that what God has been saying this whole time is true. Let me go ahead and give my life over to Jesus. Um, so that's really what we see is we see that it, there's no hope lost. The four angels hold back the four winds of judgment until God's people are sealed, which is another thing we're going to see in chapter 7, that they get a seal themselves and that they get God's protection um, in this time, right? So at the, after these angels are holding back the wind of judgment, you're going to see other angels really just, uh, you're going to start to see the 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 men and women who believe in Jesus, who trust Jesus and who follow Jesus, like uh, you're going to see them start to get a seal on their forehead. Now, we're going to see similar imagery to this um, later on in a few chapters where it talks about the seal or the sign of um, the marking of the beast or, or the enemy's markings, right? So, it's really a parallel to that. It's really kind of a mere image. Uh, but what God is doing is God is showing these are my people. These are my chosen people, the one who have put their trust in me, who love me, who want to follow me, who make that choice. Uh, what he's doing is he's protecting them. He's putting this symbol on them so um, they will not be, they will not be um, judged. They will not be judged of the same judgment that non-believers are, are, are judged with. Now, we also can, can tie this to the Old Testament story of, of uh, Passover. Passover being the idea that, you know, the, the, you know um, that death was coming to get the firstborn child of every family. And so what God did is he... Um, he had his people put a marking above their doorframe so that they were they, they were safe. This is also, like I said, so this ties into that too. Again, you see a tie from uh, one to the other. And it's such an amazing thing because, you know, Genesis and Revelation, you see that everything's coming full circle. Um, now, this is the part where things get... Interesting, and the reason why I say things get interesting is because it says that the number of the people that are marked are 144,000 people. And there are groups of people, and there are churches that think that there are only, those are the, that's all the people going to heaven, right? That there's no one else except for these, these 144,000 people. Um, and Based on the research that I saw uh, in my study Bible, what it really talks about is um, that number being a symbol or symbolizing completeness. Okay, 
I don't know if that's the exact number that's going to be allowed in heaven. I, I would really wish I, I, I really wish I understood that. I think that's one of those things that I think a lot of believers, a lot of Christians are going to look at and go, uh, I don't know what this means. And I think that's okay. I think it's good for us to say, I don't know what this means. I don't know how to interpret this or understand this. And I think that's where finding commentaries or speaking to a pastor or somebody who has studied these scriptures uh, in a school setting or, or in a more professional setting, they will be able to guide you. Um, but the truth is, is that throughout scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, it constantly says, whoever believes in Jesus um, has eternal life. And I, I'm going to choose to hold on to that truth as I'm trying to understand what this represents. I don't think that's a contradiction in the Bible because the truth is we don't know how many people are truly going to be followers of Jesus when Jesus returns. We don't know what that number is. So I'm not going to say this is a contradiction. I'm going to say I'm going to hold on to the truth that I know that anyone who believes in Jesus, as it says in Romans and throughout the Gospels and heck, even through the Old Testament, anyone who believes in Jesus, uh, no matter their sin, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, they will be forgiven and they will be granted heaven. They will be, that will be their reward. I'm going to hold on to that truth as I continue to research the 44,000 and what that represents and what that means. So uh, I'm going to hold on to that. Let's talk about these seals that are, that are, are being given to the believers. Again, what this represents um, is that these, these people that are being sealed, that are being marked, to show that they are within the, 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 the family with Jesus. Okay, I'm trying to think of the right word to say it, but that they are part of God's family, God's chosen people. It shows that they're protected. It shows that these are the ones who, no matter if life is difficult or, the, or, or times get hard or they're going through persecution, they've remained faithful to God's word. They've been made faithful to serving others, to loving people. And everything that God teaches, everything that the Bible teaches, they've remained um, faithful to that. It shows that, um, that the faithful, those who are faithful, they don't self-medicate. They trust God in their difficult times, and they praise him. They understand that he deserves praise even in the most difficult times. Now, I'm not trying to say that if you're going through a hard time with your faith, um, that you're not saved. It just means you're going through a difficult time. And I would encourage you, you know, find that group of family or friends or people you trust to walk this out with you, to read these scriptures uh, anywhere in the Bible. Just, you know, find a way to get the help that you need. And yes, if you, if you need uh, medical help or if you need medication, that's great. Get the medication that you need, but I, what I want to advocate is don't self-medicate. Don't try to find ways to deal with life that are unbiblical or even un, like that you know of wrong. Even if you're not a Christian and you're like, hey, I don't, I don't believe in everything that we're studying. I'm just trying to figure it out. Um, I would just say don't self-medicate. Go to a professional who, who could help you, who could guide you, who could give you that advice. Um, 
but going back to the seals so these seals show that we are protected by god through jesus right so because of what jesus has done on the cross we are protected um and we will be granted access into heaven. That's that's what my understanding of the scripture means. Now, there's two ways um, that God um, seals us, right? We've heard of the rapture, right? The rapture being, you know, that people are going to be withdrawn from earth suddenly because of the second coming of Christ. And I think, and I do believe that that will happen. I don't know. Um, when obviously we don't know how or what it's going to look like except what we've seen in scripture Um, but it also talks about people with this mark what they're going to be is protected through perseverance having perseverance to move forward when times get difficult or when persecution yeah when persecution gets difficult Um, So that's two ways that God protects us. Sometimes he pulls us out of that situation. Sometimes he just gives us the strength to to make it through that that time, that difficult time. Um, And and, and so that's really what this chapter is about. This chapter is about, hey, are you one of those that trust in Jesus? And are you going to be the ones who trust in Jesus when times get difficult? Are you going to be one of the ones who trust in God when you know your family is sick when you have illnesses that you don't know how to heal and that doctors are trying to figure out or when you're facing debt and you're wondering how you're going to deal with this are you going to be the one who still bows to jesus and praises him because you know he's trustworthy because you know he's um, encouraging you strengthening you and giving you everything that you need or are you going to be the ones like the the non-believers who kind of fall away. I do think there's going to be a category for people who fall away from the faith. And I'm talking about completely go from I'm a believer to I'm, I, I do not believe in God. I don't believe God exists. I'm not speaking about the people who struggle with their faith or who are trying to figure it out. I'm speaking about those who completely, um, cha- I'm going to say change their mind for, for, for the lack of a better term, but completely just leave their faith behind um, because of a tragedy they faced or because of they were persuaded or whatever may cause them to change their mind. Um, I, I really do think that there's going to be a, a group of people who won't have access to what God has for them simply because they turned away, simply because God placed it in front of them and due to whatever circumstance, they were just like, no, I don't want this. I'm going to do my own thing and walk away, even if they were Christians at one time. Um, so and that's really the whole chapter. Like I said, this chapter is not too too um, in-depth. There's not a whole lot to it. It's simply, you know, are you going to be that person? And then in you know throughout the, the chapter, toward the end of chapter 7, I'll say, from verse 15 on, it really talks about, you know, those who trust in Jesus are going to worship at his feet. They're going to, they're going to just worship him, praise him for what he's done, what he continues to do in their life. And the fact that God has chosen to protect them and they have made the choice to walk with Jesus. Um, You know, and, and 
I honestly want to say, I think that is the most important part is that, yes, God determines a lot in our lives that we don't have control over. But the truth is, is God gives us the choice to follow him. He doesn't force you to follow. He 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 chooses to love you simply who for who you are. Asking that you make the choice to follow him, knowing that God knows what's best for your life. Knowing that God has a plan that is actually there to help you, to form you, to allow you to be the person who you are created to be. I do believe we are created to be a a certain type of person. And what I mean by that is it may not always be a job. Like I'm supposed to be an entertainer. I'm supposed to be a athlete uh, professionally or whatever. It could simply just be like, look, I've been called. I've been created to be a good person, a loving person, caring, compassionate. And that shows in different ways. And like, that's why we see celebrities who are just really down to earth, good people because they were raised up. Right. And because that's just who they are in nature. Right. By nature, that's who they are. Um, and But we've all heard that. Right. We've all heard people say, you know, I was created for this job. I don't know if that's the case. I, I, I that's something I've always struggled with because I would love to sit there and say I was created for the job I do now. But the truth is I was created to know God. And I was created to be his image on Earth. And, and God is not a job like God is you know, the attributes of, 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 of goodness and grace and love and, and, and compassion, the things that I listed. And I think that's who we're supposed to be, what we do with that and the career path that we choose or that we fall for or we fall in love with, I should say, or um, that we just have a talent for. I think that's a different story and that's a different conversation to have. Um, but yeah, this chapter is, is, is really just, do you follow Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? Um, and do you trust him in the times that are difficult? That's really what this chapter is about, at least from what I see, right? I could do more research and get a different understanding or a deeper understanding, but I think this is the beginning of like, look, you have a choice in life. You could choose to love God because he loved you first and died for you, or you could walk away from God and and face those consequences. Um, Whatever those consequences may be, there are consequences because there's consequences for every choice that we make. So that's really what this is trying to get us to think about. Uh, And that's what I would get you to think about. Um, So this, this part of the podcast is gonna be pretty short but it's just something that I wanted to share. Wanted to make sure we got out there. Um, once again, I'm, you know, I don't, I didn't say this in the beginning of this section, but I'm kind of recording. Um, I'm not in my home studio like I would normally be. So I'm recording on my phone again. So the sound wasn't too terrible last time, thankfully. So hopefully the sound for this one is not bad. Um, and I also want to encourage you again, as you're reading this, or as you're trying to wrestle with your faith and, and what it means and what it looks like, talk to people, get help, ask questions. Like I've never understood this idea that you can't ask God questions or you can't doubt 
the Bible. You just have to take it for what it is and never ask questions. I don't like that. I don't think that's a Christian walk. I think that's, um, I honestly think that's a form of like brainwash. Like you do not ask questions. Ask questions. Ask your pastor. Ask your friends. Ask your family. Whoever you trust and who would know uh, the details of these chapters, like go to them. Ask them. I know I try to. And I'll definitely be continuing to do that. So, and if you if if you're at a point in your life where you're just you're trying to follow Jesus, I would say keep trying, keep pushing toward your goal. Um, and again, get help. Get help for whatever you need help with, whether it is spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Seeing a doctor is a great thing, um, and let the doctor be the one to guide you through any medication issues that you may have or what you what help you need um i know this was kind of a jumbled mess of a, of a bible study but you know i just i just you know sometimes i just feel like there's things that need to be said or clarified sometimes i think we as a church we just we try to make everything black and white right i'm going through something emotionally well, just pray about it. And that's great, but sometimes you need to talk to somebody. You need to seek professional help, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, so I would encourage that. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll close from there. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We ask that, God, um, as we as we put our trust in you, that we would be sealed, meaning we can walk in our faith in the difficult times. We can praise you in those difficult times, but we could also praise you in the times that are simple or the times that where things go our way or the way that it's supposed to be. We just ask that you would help us to truly know you, to truly follow you, even though uh, life gets challenging. You know, faith gets difficult sometimes. Help us to ask questions and not be afraid of those answers. Help us to truly just trust in you, um, and we just ask God that if, if it's in your will to, to reveal to us, you know, the 144,000 and what that means, that we, our hearts would be open to what that means. We would continue to walk in your truth and walk in your grace. Um, and we just ask that you would just be with us, you know, strengthen us through our week. Thank you for everyone who's listening to this podcast. We just ask that you would continue to grow this podcast as you see fit. Um, and we just ask that you would just continue to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Like we said, we love this podcast. I know Jessica's not with me at this moment, but we love this podcast. We do want to see it grow. So we ask that you, you know, like, share, subscribe, get this podcast out, leave comments in the uh, on Apple iTunes, whatever, however you listen to this, and really just help us to get that word out. Um, you could also you could also reach us at beautifulfeetentertainment.com, beautiful feet entertainment on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and like I said, feel free to follow and listen to my new podcast, Wrestling with Faith, where we talk about uh, professional wrestling, but from a Christian perspective. Um, I haven't been able to post on that one as much simply because of personal things going on, but I am jumping back into that uh, as soon as I can. And I'll be getting those episodes moving and grooming. So that's going to be great. Thank you guys so much. Have a blessed week. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. 
a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at BeautifulFeetEntertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.